You're listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio. I'm Harriet Hendel. We will be meeting several people who work at the University of Pennsylvania School of Law, specifically at the Quattrone Center for the Fair Administration of Justice. Each of our four guests has a different role. Today, we have invited Ross Miller, Assistant Director of Quattrone. He was a trial attorney in practice in federal and state courts as a criminal defense attorney. He was also an assistant defender with the Defense Association of Philadelphia. It's a pleasure to have you join us today to tell us more about the Quattrone Center. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure to, to meet you in person. Or right. And what counts for in person these days, Harry? Right. First, tell us how long you've been with the center and a little bit about what you do as assistant director. Sure. Uh, I started with this Quattron Center in the fall of 2017, um, coming, as you mentioned, from uh, a background in criminal defense and civil rights litigation. Uh, so that was sort of my experience coming in. Uh, when I got here, this position was a new one. Uh, we have two co-directors, both of whom I believe you'll be speaking with, uh, John Hallway, the executive director, and Paul Heaton, the academic director. And at that time, that was the, the leadership group, but the center was beginning to expand, uh, and there were a lot of projects sort of in queue um, and not enough bandwidth and personnel to, to, to handle some of those projects. So uh, one of the earliest expansions was for this assistant director position, which is where I came into the center. And in that role, I have basically worked uh, with uh, the other uh, directors and the other assistant director in managing all aspects of the center's portfolio, various types of research that we conduct on both the quantitative and the qualitative side, uh, as well as working a lot with uh, stakeholders, agencies, and jurisdictions across the United States. Uh, we have a national scope in the work we do. And uh, a lot of uh, what I spent time on early and still continue to do is helping to facilitate a lot of those relationships and uh, coordinate projects uh, that involve the collaboration of a bunch of different uh, agencies and, and organizations uh, across the country, along with uh, conducting some of my own research and, and doing some projects, uh, again, that I'm working on uh, separately that align with the, the center's mission. All right. I think our listeners would like to know more uh, about not just the mission of the Quattrone Center, but the reason behind its creation. Can you speak to that? I can. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I know they'll, you'll be speaking with John Hallway, who was there at the creation, and we'll certainly have some insight there. Uh, you know, the, I think the reason why the Quattro Center came into existence, and as I learned about it, being a practitioner in, in criminal justice in the space that, that the Quattro Center operates within, uh, I, it came to fruition because some individuals, uh, John included, recognized a need to uh, have a different way of thinking about problems or errors in the criminal justice system. Uh, the criminal justice system is one that's founded on uh, a legal process and it's adversarial by nature. And most of the environments uh, where criminal justice events occur are not ideal for uh, coming up with objective assessments and solutions to problems as they emerge in that system. 
And so uh, I think what John and others uh, realized was that other types of industries, manufacturing, transportation, uh, medicine, had developed various methods of analyzing errors as they occurred within their particular domain uh, and finding ways to uh, prevent those errors from occurring again in a way that didn't require them to blame individuals or to do it through litigation or some sort of heavy-handed approach like that. And there was really nothing like that for criminal justice. And so when the Quattrone Center was founded, it was founded on this idea that by looking at the criminal justice system as a system uh, where all of the actors within it were working in ways that affected one another and that it was uh, kind of a holistic environment uh, where the events of criminal justice were occurring, the center developed to fill that need to be able to apply what the National Transportation Safety Board does for, uh, you know, uh, transportation accidents and what various types of internal review panels might do in a hospital in the event that there's a surgical death. Uh, The Quattrone Center formed on that same idea of taking that systems approach uh, where it wasn't necessary to just point fingers and blame people for things that went wrong, but instead uh, get people with diverse talents and backgrounds and experiences uh, to come together to apply their various disciplines to objectively understand and address errors that were happening in the criminal justice system. Okay, good segue to my next question. When we spoke earlier on the phone, when I was pre-interviewing you, you mentioned the concept of a think tank. How does that apply to the center's operation? Well, I I don't know that the... the think tank applies to the operation as much as it's probably the easiest way uh, for folks outside the kind of academic world to to think about or understand what groups like ours do. It's funny because I often tell people I never had any idea exactly what a think tank was. And then at some point after 27, I, not 2017, I realized I was in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think, you know, traditionally the notion of a think tank is, some kind of non-governmental organization that uh, applies some sort of a discipline, combination of science and policy experts to analyze problems uh, in society through whatever that domain could be education, could be drug policy, could be health, uh, to evaluate those things as a neutral third party to the uh, various advocacy groups that might be involved in policy. And of course, the government, which is maybe making some of the laws and policies that impact that uh, domain and, you know, creating an organization where those folks, scientists and others can come together and, and analyze those in a neutral way uh, and in a way that's independent from government uh, to allow them to sort of find creatively and scientifically find solutions that may not be apparent or accessible to the folks that are working within government. And so to the extent that the Quattrone Center falls within that definition we are, you know, affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania Law School, uh, but we're an independent organization uh, within the law school and and in the greater sort of wider world of, of criminal justice. And the advantage of being in that role, that think tank role, is that we can work with stakeholders uh, in a jurisdiction like a district attorney's office, uh, an institutional defender, the courts, probation offices, the police department. And we're not coming with any agenda. We're not coming out of, we're not a group formed by prosecutors, 
formed by police, formed by defense lawyers. We're kind of independently uh, associated and are able to offer those organizations a way to facilitate some of the things that they might be interested in learning about their own processes, but one that, that comes without the bias uh, and sometimes partisanship that's involved in those policy discussions and, and thinking about that. So I think that's how it applies to what the Quattron Center does, is it's about being independent, um, uh, unbiased, and uh, nonpartisan in our approach to addressing these problems. Right. Obviously, something like the Quattron Center is desperately needed, but why is it that with all the publicity about cases of wrongful conviction and all of the mistakes that we know occur in the criminal justice system, why hasn't this kind of um, approach, shall I say, um, been taken before this, or has it? It's a great question, and I don't know that I can speak with 100% accuracy as to whether the step had been taken before. Uh, based on what I know since joining the, the Quattron Center, I don't believe it has, uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with the way people think about criminal justice in general. For some reason, historically, criminal justice issues have not been treated uh, they're not sort of thought about in the same way as other policies. And the idea of risk, you know, you talk about risk or hazard or error, and it's very easy when you think about a plane crashing, right? People are going to very easily understand, oh, well, that's an error and we don't want that to happen again. But one of the reasons why that's easy is that it's apparent. Everybody's aware the plane crashed. There are organizations that immediately come in to deal with it. There are national uh government organizations that regulate uh, aviation or, or whatever the, the specific uh, form of transportation might be. And so it's easy to think of those things as a place where policy exists to avoid those hazards uh, and risks and to, to, to mitigate them. And I think in criminal justice, historically, it just hasn't been thought about that way. And, and, and many of the reasons for that are that the those those events, and you know, you'll I'm sure talk more about this with John about sentinel events and the idea of these kind of never events happening. But those events in the criminal justice system are largely hidden from public view. Um, and when something happens in a courtroom, uh, you know, you brought up the the issue of exonerations, and and obviously you are very familiar with with that and and what that landscape looks like. Uh, but one of the things that's uh, almost universal in exoneration cases is the defects or the errors that led to those uh, undesirable outcomes are latent and very long, you know, it's a, it takes a long time sometimes for those to come to the surface. And so that latency that's involved uh, along with the fact that I think a lot of folks, if they're, if they haven't been engaged with the criminal justice system and it's not something that's impacted their lives, um, it's very easy to kind of put that in a different category. You think about 
transportation and like regulating the highways, everybody's been in a car and has gone on a car trip and they understand that and that makes sense to them. Everybody goes to a doctor and they understand they need to uh, regulate medication and medical treatment. But not everyone has been through the criminal justice system or has been impacted by it. And so it's much easier, I think, for folks to sort of partition that, not in a way, it's not in a hostile way. It's just that it hasn't been a part of their life. It's not universal to them. And so it has escaped, I think, some of the attention and focus that other, uh, other environments have uh, achieved a general public concept of safety within a particular environment. We just don't have that consciousness yet in criminal justice, but that's what we're kind of working to achieve. Yeah, I, I think the attitude is it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, it's it, in some sense, you know, going back to like a social science term, if you've heard the term NIMBY, right? Not in my backyard. This right. was a, an acronym used to talk about how people thought about, you know, if they have to come find a new place to put a, a waste plant or to, to deposit right. nuclear waste. Everybody knows these things have to happen, but I don't want it to happen here. Right. And it's just easy. People have their domains uh, uh, and they, 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 they tend to focus only on those things that might immediately impact right. them. But once it's somewhere else, it's not as uh, it's not as pressing a concern. And so criminal justice is, uh, always kind of been in that domain. But obviously in the last several years, I think you're seeing an acceleration towards a much broader public conception of criminal justice and the notion of what are some very significant risks that we've been quite tolerant to as a society for some time. Well, certainly the George Floyd case brought things to the front and center, but um, yeah, right. All right. Well, I, I wanted to ask you um, if you can cite a particular project that you've been working on or are working on at the present time to illustrate a, a systems approach to our listeners. Uh, well, for, first, I think just to briefly say what a systems approach right. is, is, is the idea we take a holistic view of the criminal justice process. And instead of thinking of it as a collection of actors that you have a DA, you know, prosecutor doing their job, a defense lawyer doing their job and a court doing its job, all that is true. But if you think about those things, each operating in a vacuum, you're going to miss a lot of the dynamics of what's happening in that environment and why those actors are making certain decisions or doing uh, what they're doing or how those errors are produced. So in taking a systems approach, it's looking at any issue and even, you know, a perfect example, again, going back to exonerations, because they're very easy for people to understand, even looking at an exoneration where let's say, um, you know, someone, the classic example is, is DNA evidence is either discovered or sort of analyzed long after the fact that, that conclusively demonstrates the innocence of someone who has been convicted uh, and incarcerated for a particular crime. It's very easy when you see that to think, well, the DA was the one that charged them. They're the ones that had the evidence. Maybe they didn't provide it. And so the natural instinct is to think, well, this is a DA problem. Or you may expand it a little bit beyond that and say, well, but also if they'd had a really good defense lawyer, they would have pushed harder or they would have uncovered you know, that information in an earlier phase. So maybe it's the DA plus the defense lawyer. Well, what we've learned is when you look at those events, there are factors and sort of the omission of guardrails throughout that whole system from the court, the defense lawyer, the, the district attorney, 
uh, and, and the police and other actors, that each individual action that might be taken by one of those actors has an impact on that, that entire system. And so we have to look at that whole system in order to really understand why those errors are occurring. So I think in terms of my own, the projects that I'm working on specifically, um, a lot of those with that systems approach fall within uh, the, the Sentinel event review sort of definition. One of the programs that I do with John is, is a, a, the Philadelphia event review team, which is a little different than some of the Sentinel event reviews we do, which tend to be um, where a jurisdiction will take one event, convene that review um, to learn from that event, and it sort of becomes its own discrete uh, sort of one-time uh, process for them. Well, one of the things that, that John did here at the center was take that and extend it beyond a single event and instead set up a team, uh, in this case, the Philadelphia event review team, which involves uh, folks from the prosecutor's office, the courts, the defenders association, uh, the police department, the, the, the administrative office of uh, Pennsylvania courts, and is able to evaluate these events, these never events or sentinel events as they occur, and it gives them an opportunity to bring cases to the group and continue to evaluate those uh, going forward. So instead of just being a one-off looking at one particular situation, it provides a a facility for all of those stakeholders that don't have the bandwidth to deal with some of these issues on their own or things that they've identified as a concern or cases that had these problematic or erroneous outcomes. They have this ongoing team that they can take it to and say, hey, here's a case that has this outcome that should have never happened. Can, can we all collaborate on this to, to conduct that process? So that's one of the things that I, I run uh, with the Quattrone Center, which is probably the best example of that systems approach in action because it's ongoing and it involves, you know, the collaboration of all those different system actors within a particular jurisdiction. Mm. Now, the, you use the term actors. It's a good one. Um, is there a positive... Um, feeling that you get from them that this kind of approach is being taken or is there any pushback from them i don't i don't think so i think sometimes you know when we're starting and i don't want to be duplicative of anything you may hear from john but when we're starting a new project and we you know there may be only one agency that reaches out you know say you know a prosecutor's office in some jurisdiction somewhere in the country comes to us and says hey we had this situation and we don't ever want it to happen again. A perfect example is, especially since uh, the George Floyd uh, murder, we, you know, as one might expect, we didn't totally expect the number, but after that, our phone was ringing a lot with police mm. departments that said, hey, we could use your help because mm. we want to understand some of these events that we've identified, that we this is a bad outcome. We want to take the initiative here um, to use this process to try and uh, improve our own policies and practices. And so when you have an, an agency like that, that is the one coming to the, the working group and coming to us and saying, hey, we want to apply this here. Can you come and do that for us? That's easy. And that's because everybody's on board. Right. What can sometimes be more challenging is when you get in a certain environment where it is a, a court, it's a situation that's happening through the court, 
you know, one of those parties may be on board, but maybe the courts are not, you know, maybe the DA's office, uh, you know, maybe the, the defender's you know, a, a defense lawyer organization or the Defender Association says, hey, this class of cases is a real problem here, but the DA's office is very adversarial and says, well, we don't, we don't want to be involved. That takes a little bit more uh, introduction to sort of get anybody to understand what the system is. And so in the beginning, you may see what you sort of described as a little bit of pushback. In my experience from the ones that I've worked on, and I've worked on a number in different states and different jurisdictions, once people are in that working setting and get a sense for how that process works, I think in general, they often find it uh, liberating in many ways because it allows kind of a safe place for people to talk about these issues in a way that is not the traditional adversarial modality, which is how many of those actors are sort of programmed and hardwired because that's the system. I was in that system too as a defense lawyer. And, you know, when you're in the courtroom, it's you versus everybody else. And, you know, I think that's how uh, it's easy to think that that's the way you have to address problems in the criminal justice system. And once people realize, no, there's actually another way where we can set this aside in an environment where we can uh, collaborate and not blame anyone, but just try and identify these errors and figure out the best ways to prevent them. And I have yet to have any experiences with someone that's participated in that process that didn't come out of it being a big fan of having that available and using that as a method to understand, better understand the issues and problems that they face. That's great. Well, we have just a few minutes left and I wanted to ask you what you hope the center can accomplish in the years ahead and what are you most proud of that you already have accomplished? I, that's that's the tough one, but I think, you know, the, the thing that I look most forward to and I think we're making good progress kind of goes back to what you were asking me in the beginning and sort of the beginning of our conversation. Public awareness is a huge component to why, as to why so many of these issues have escaped um, the kind of analysis uh, necessary to try and make the criminal justice system safer and to try and make it operate uh, more accurately with less error. And I think the center's work is focused. We do a lot of very academic work um, that, you know, may have a, a limited audience on the front end who's going to read necessarily, you know, some of these papers that have very detailed scientific analyses but because we work directly with the stakeholders, meaning the people that are out there actually doing the work of the criminal justice system, uh, we're able to communicate that in a way that really is informing uh, the broader public and policymakers about a better way to approach that system. Um, and to also recognize people use the term criminal justice system all the time, but it's really systems. Every jurisdiction has its own unique characteristics. And one of the things that uh, we do in our approach, we take any given jurisdiction or any given uh, group of stakeholders um, and, and evaluate that situation with that as the universe. Yes, there are larger things that we can understand that might be national trends or things that are sort of universally helpful uh, guidelines, but we feel it's very important to recognize that every individual criminal justice jurisdiction or system 
uh, has its own actors and its own needs and its own uh, kind of concerns with respect to policy. So I think that's what I look forward the most for the center to do is expand that the the not the public knowledge and the knowledge for policymakers about taking a scientific, data-driven, evidence-based approach to the criminal justice system uh, in the same way that we've done successfully with so many other industries. That is a great way to finish. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate your time today, Ross. And next time we will meet uh, John Holloway, Executive Director of the Quattrone Center uh, and Associate Dean of the University of Penn School of Law. Thank you so much for your time today and your experience and, you know, your thoughts. And uh, I, I hope that uh, the Quattrone Center really makes a difference uh, going forward. I, I certainly think so. So, well, thank you. It was a it was a pleasure meeting you, and thank you for doing this work because getting the information out to the to the people is uh, what really can move the needle here. So, thanks so that, much for all you do. That is true. Thank you, and join us next time when we will meet another um, staff member of the uh, of the Quattrone Center, and then we're doing several uh, weeks of um, uh, the Quattrone Center. So, stay with us for it all. Thank you so much. Thank you.